This is part two. Time out is the theme of our show. We're talking about menopause and we're talking about the three, I call them the three phases of menopause, which is our caterpillar does not any longer want to munch and spins a cocoon, time out. And then the caterpillar melts down into green goo, the meltdown, and then at last, our butterfly emerges. So we are going to look at time out. It's interesting to me how our bodies and our psyches push us to do the things that are the healthiest for us. As we move into our menopausal years, and if you're asking, is this menopause? Well, the answer is yes. You know, your period's longer. Yes, you're in menopause. Are they shorter? Yes, you're in menopause. Are they more painful? Yes, you're in menopause. Are they less painful? Yes, you're in menopause. Are they scanter? Yes, you're in menopause. Are they caviar? Yes, you're in menopause. <laughs> right? Anything that is happening that is making a change is heralding menopause. No doubt about that. I often say to women, if you're old enough to be asking, is this menopause, then the answer is yes. It is menopause. And we can just try to barrel through and pretend that nothing is happening. Or we can use this as a time to learn more about ourselves and to learn more about our special and unique abilities as women. You know, I remember calling my mom from the hospital. I said, it's a girl. These were the days before sonograms, so we had no idea beforehand. And she said, oh, when did you give birth to her? I said, oh, I don't know, like 10 minutes ago. What are you doing awake? She said. <laughs> and I said, well, I was awake for the entire birth. She said, you couldn't have been. Now, why did she say that? Well, back in the day, they were uh, knocked out. She was yes. She was she was told for her birth that no woman could survive the pain of childbirth. Mm. Now I don't know if you've been in labor or delivered a child, but basically the pain um, or the discomfort um, pretty much is in the shall we say the uterus getting ready. The uterus is contracting. It's kind of doing its warm-up stretches, and the cervix is opening up. And this can take hours to happen, or it can be shorter. And then once that has happened, we move into what's called transition. And then maybe drops down to the birth canal, and then birth happens pretty quickly. And although vaginal birth is a big like, ah, I can't believe I just did that moment for sure. Again, it doesn't go on for very long, and at that point, you're kind of numb. You don't really feel any pain. Well, they didn't knock women out at the beginning of labor because the labor stops if you knock the woman out. So they better go all through the painful part of labor and write it in transition, and then they knock them out because they had to get the baby down in the birth canal so they could reach him with the forceps and pull it out. So basically... They let the women experience all of the pain and then knock them out for the power. Mm. That sounds so foreign now. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does. And yet we're and yet we are told this, this exact same thing about menopause that you can't survive it. Well, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it for you. 
most women have some pretty bad days during menopause. And I certainly would not say that giving birth was the most pain-free experience of my life. On the other hand, I am a different woman because I did that. Rather than going along pretending that nothing had happened, scheduling a C-section at my convenience so I don't have to think about giving birth. No. I was right there in my life, living my life. And I guess I have the prejudice that I think that life deserves to be lived. That what is satisfying is being really present in your life. Yes, fully engaged in it. I agree. Fully engaged in it and not like, you know, look, looking off to the side and whistling and hoping that it gets over with. So this, for me, is why I was interested in going through menopause without hormones. And actually, it's why I revised my book. You know, my first book was called Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way. And then 10 years later, after I went through menopause and after we had a bunch of studies, I put out new Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way. And I had always said that I would never revise any of my books. But, you know, like all people, I could not resist the opportunity to go, nah, 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 told you so. <laughs> Because I was out there saying, don't take hormones, and people were fiercely against me. And yet 10 years later, here is the evidence showing that taking hormones does not do any of the things they said it would. So I was able to revise the book, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and not only include my experiences and a lot of new chapters. I often say New Menopausal Years, you can tell it's the postmenopausal version because it's one-third bigger. <laughs> um, <laughs> and any woman who's been through menopause knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> if elected, I will give every menopausal woman $1,000 for a new wardrobe. <laughs> I know what my constituency really wants. And can you believe it? Ten years ago, you could hardly buy a pair of women's pants with an elastic waist. Wow. See what menopause has done for this country. <laughs> it's changed a lot of outlets, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked last time about how at puberty and we start to come into our menstrual months that it can be a rocky ride and this is because estradiol this very strong estrogen is perhaps being produced in greater or lesser quantities and so the whole hormonal cascade as it's called you know is more of a, a bumpy thing rather than a smooth thing and the same thing tends to happen at menopause as well so that in fact Increasing PMS, increasing menstrual pain, increasing menstrual distress is one of the major symptoms of a woman moving into menopause. And remember I was talking before about how our bodies really urge us to do what is needed. And what do most women do when they're having menstrual distress? Uh, sometimes they cry, they eat sweet things, chocolate or things like that. Usually they seek solitude. That too, yes. <laughs> yes. And they take their chocolate with them. 
<laughs> right. Right. But they want to be alone. Mm-hmm. Menstrual pain wants us to wants we want when we're feeling menstrual pain, unless we're conditioned to just take a painkiller and push through, but if we're really gonna be present to it and let it inform us, we say, Oh, this pain informs me to be alone. And interestingly enough, you know, I pay my apprentices $25 to take a moon day, which is the first or second day of their period, to do nothing and to be totally alone. Mm. Nice. And I find that between 75 and 85% of all women who have simple menstrual pain or simple premenstrual problems can completely eliminate that pain and those problems by taking a moon day. We need to add that to the calendar then, right? Yes, add it to your calendar. PMS, what does it stand for? I've always said it stands for patriarchal mindset. (laughs) But I heard something even better last year, and this from a teenager, and she said, PMS means pamper me silly. Well, that's nice, yes. And I thought, they got it! They got it! (laughs) Right? You know, she says, oh, you know, my girlfriends and I, we just go to each other and we go... PMS, and that means pamper me, silly. You know, be nice to me. Bring me chocolate. <laughs> they got it. They're listening to their bodies. That's what we want. Pamper me, silly. And if the world around you isn't going to pamper you, silly, then you're responsible for pampering yourself, silly. Absolutely. For taking, for taking that time off. And so our bodies, our psyches move us into this time out. Often we find ourselves in Explicably feeling things like, remember what I said about the caterpillar? The caterpillar says, not only don't I want to munch, but I wish the rest of you would stop munching. You're driving me crazy. So the woman, as she's moving into menopause, suddenly finds the people around her intolerable. Things that she could deal with before she can deal with now. And so again, rather than trying to change what's around us, we simply say, ah. Look, my emotions are telling me it's time to take time out. Now, let me tell you the story of a woman who decided in her late 30s she was going to have children. And by the time she got to menopause, she had two toddlers on her hands. Uh-huh. And her two-year-old and her four-year-old toddle up to her studio one day. She's working, and she hears them behind her. And the two-year-old says, play with mommy. And the four-year-old says, mommy's busy. Mommy's wearing her mad hat. We don't disturb her. And she thought, wow, all I have to do is wear this hat and they know not to disturb me. We can always have time out, even if we're the mother of two toddlers. Marie was a massage therapist, single person, completely dependent on her own skill and work to make her ends meet. She's like, yeah, nobody's going to give me a sabbatical. So what she did was she bought a crone's throne, a beautiful chair that she put in the place where she does massages. And when she felt the hot flash coming on, she went and sat in her crone's throne. Now, Of course, the massage therapists who are listening are going, 
You're not supposed to do that. You're not ever supposed to lose contact with your client. And, of course, Marie, being a very well-trained massage therapist, was also thinking this. And so, after a few months, she said to her clients, most of whom were women, is this horrible thing that I'm doing. I'm walking away from the massage table, taking my hands off of you, and going over there and sitting in that chair while I'm having a hot flash. And every woman said to her, Marie, you keep telling us to take care of ourselves. But it wasn't until we saw you taking care of yourself that we had the courage to do it. That's nice. So when we take care of ourselves, we give other women courage. We give other women permission. When we say, oh, I need time out, everybody. I love you all, but you're just going to have to get your dinners for the next year on your own and don't count on me. It's a hard thing to do. But it's what our bodies need as we move into our menopausal years. We really need to sort. You know, one of the questions that I had when I was writing my book on menopause was, are menopausal women more depressed? And it was kind of a thing that I had heard was that menopausal women get depressed. But there's a very big difference between a woman who's depressed and a woman who says, well, all of you go away and leave me alone so I can sort. I can understand how the people who depend on her might think of that as being depressed. She doesn't want to take care of us anymore. She must be depressed. But it truly is very, very different. Most menopausal women have lived at least 40 years. That's long enough to have accumulated, shall we call it, quite a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. We, need to, we need to sort through it and decide what we're going to take with us on the journey through menopause. Because the journey through menopause is an awakening of kundalini. Now, let me explain what I mean by kundalini. I don't want to assume that anyone listening says, oh, yeah, kundalini, ah, well, I know about that. Kundalini is a word that means pretty much the same as chi or prana or life force or chi. And we find this in qigong and tai chi. And um, it's um, a very powerful energy that is present in all things and that moves through things. Now, kundalini, as a life force, is all around us when we are children. Kundalini in children is like fish in water. You say to a fish, tell me about water, and the fish goes, glub, glub, what's water? So you ask children about energy. They don't know about energy. They know about this moment. They know about being here. They know about being alive. When we get to puberty, both boys and girls, something very different happens. This life force energy, this kundalini, now coalesces in the root chakra. And it is this coalescing of this kundalini in the root chakra that gives rise to puberty. 
this energy moving into the root chakra now triggers the production of estradiol, the ripening of the follicles, the emergence of the egg from the ovary, the possibility of pregnancy, the building up of the endometrium, the shedding of that endometrium as menstruation if we're not pregnant. It starts causing erections and nocturnal emissions in boys. We certainly don't want our children at puberty to start making babies, but they are physically, energetically capable of it. Life force has now taken up residence inside the body. For men, it will live at the base of their spine for their entire life unless they choose to awaken their kundalini. And awakening the kundalini is the same as becoming enlightened. It is said that the kundalini flows in two paths, Ida and Pingali, which wind about crisscrossing, moving through each chakra as they move up the spine, finally to emerge at the crown in the lotus light. When a woman gets to menopause, her kundalini awakens and does exactly that. Think of how many men are sitting right now in meditation praying for one hot flash. <laughs> they call it enlightenment. We call it menopause. That's wonderful. And I'm not just whistling Dixie here and making this up. You know, we have actual ways of measuring what's going on in bodies, right? We can, like, tap into the breathing. We can see how the heart is beating. We can measure skin temperature. We can judge brain waves. We can get galvanic skin responses, right? We got ways of knowing what's going on in the body. And we have a whole library of uh, these recordings that we've made. So we have, you know, a, a person at this age, you know, having an orgasm, and this is what the reading looks like. Or you have a person at this age grieving, and this is what the recording looks like. And of course, we have a, you know, enlightened being, and this is what the recording looks like. And we have a woman having a hot flash, and yes, the recording is identical to the enlightened being. Wow. In fact, hot flashes are your kundalini training wheel. Oh, I like that. I was on a program once with a woman who styled herself as a feminist MD. And this was, whoo, this was probably close to 30 years ago now. And um, she said, you know, that once, once you get to menopause, um, well, things get really, really bad, she said. You know, the first thing is that, um, well, you just totally lose all interest in sex. And it's probably just as well, she says, because if you were to try to have sex, it would probably break your hip. And you couldn't have sex anyhow because your uterus is dropped out between your knees. And even if you didn't break a hip and your uterus wasn't between your knees, you'd just pee all over the place because you'd be incontinent. And her audience was stunned. And of course, she suggested that we ride off into the future on the backs of horses by which she meant to take Premarin to avoid all of these dire things happening. Well, I 
never like to totally dismiss what someone says because there's always some truth in what's being said, even if I quite strongly disagree with what I'm hearing. And so I thought about this kundalini here in the root chakra and how for women it is very closely linked to the earth. And we might say that through the menstrual month, this kundalini energy builds up builds up and builds up and builds up until ooh, we're either pregnant and it keeps building up or we menstruate and we release that energy. So it's kind of like earth kundalini energy to uterus, build up, build up, build up, and back to you, earth, release, 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 and build up, build up, build up, and release, release, release. So there's a cycle. Through our fertile years, there's a cycle of building up and releasing. And so, yes, sometimes that's a building up for 40 weeks and having a baby and then we're off releasing that as well. And so I see that root chakra and its relationship to Kundalini as being a double gate, a gate that lets Kundalini in and a gate that lets Kundalini out. And at menopause, the gate that lets Kundalini out snaps shut. And now Kundalini keeps coming in. And we think about that PMS that we were talking about. You know, and I often tease, you know, there's so much kundalini in a woman's body three or four days before she's going to menstruate that if you give her a broom, she'll clean the world. And if you give her a gun, she'll clean the world. And the same thing is true of a woman, you know, who's like a couple of weeks from her delivery date. She's not sleeping 20 hours a day. She is active 20 hours a day, painting the nursery. What did I do? I knit, you know, the baby blanket from I don't know what. It was like six feet across and 12 feet long. We get very charged up and filled with this kundalini energy. And I thought, wow. And here we are in our menopausal years and the energy keeps coming in but it doesn't go back out again. That would maybe push the uterus down, cause a prolapse. That would perhaps bear on the bladder and cause incontinence. You know, what kind of slang word do we use when we're like turned on? We say we're hot. And kundalini is hot. And if there's all this kundalini down in the belt, we don't want to be turned on. We don't want to be any more hot. Thank you. Too much heat anyhow. (laughs) And yeah, that heat there in the pelvis would dry out the hip bones and make them be fragile. And so I started asking women to use their hands to show me if hot flashes moved in their body and how they moved. I knew how they moved in my body, but I wanted to find out if it was true for other women as well. And at this point, I've asked over 10,000 women, and 9,999 of them have taken their hands and swept their hands up their body from their pelvis and their hips up, up, not stopping at their head, but flinging their arms up in the air. One woman said her hot flashes go down in her body. That's okay. We, we, you know, we need to have all experiences, but I would venture that for the vast majority of women, what's happening with a hot flash is kundalini is rising. It's moving through the chakras. It is emerging from the crown chakra. And you know what? Wham! We want to lay down. This is big energy business. This is not little, oh, I just need to fan myself. Whoa! A lot of stuff is happening. Uh, past couple of years, they've reissued the autobiography of a yogi. 
a wonderful book. And if you read this, when his kundalini awakens, he starts having hot flashes. He starts not being able to sleep through the night. You read it and you go, oh my gosh, he's going through menopause. Yeah. Because menopause is the awakening and the movement of the kundalini out of the root chakra and through all of the chakras and out through the crown. So, we take time for ourselves, however we can do it, whether it's a mad hat, whether it's a, a crown's chair, whether it's an entire sabbatical. I often think that the sabbatical was created by a menopausal woman, woman who went in and said, you know what, you all want to have a really good time, give me a year off. I'll be back, I'll be better, you keep me around, I'm going to be grouchy and bitchy. You're going to suffer and pay. And two herbs that I want to mention Yes. before our time is up. Please. One of the things that can happen during this time out time um, or concurrent with it is flooding. We talked about PMS a little bit, and there's certainly remedies for PMS in my book. But flooding, especially during the menopause years, really gets your uterus yanked fast. And it's scary. I've had women call me from the bathtub. So I want you to know about shepherd's purse. And I want you to know about witch hazel. And I want you to know about ladies' mantle. And I want you to know about yarrow. I've given them to you in my preferred order. I've had women call me from the bathtub. They're bleeding so heavily. There's no place in the house they can sit except in the bathtub. I have a friend go out, get some shepherd's purse. They start taking it by the dropper full. They usually say the bleeding slows down within a couple of hours and stops completely within a day. Shepherd's purse is used by midwives, and midwives say the same thing, giving a woman who's having a postpartum hemorrhage a dropper full of shepherd's purse under the tongue will often stop uterine bleeding within a few seconds. Witch hazel is an excellent hemostatic. Don't drink the witch hazel you get at the, at the drugstore. That's got alcohol in it that is not good for you. You need to get witch hazel tincture, which you can buy. And, you know, that could be part of your little getting ready for menopause kit is to get some of these tinctures to have on hand. Witch hazel closes down the blood vessels, stops bleeding throughout the body, dries the entire body, body, really astringes all of the tissues. I like shepherd's first because its action is immediate and right at the uterus. But if you can't get it, witch hazel is a really good alternative. It's also used by midwives in life and death situations. Ladies mantle is an herb that's used a lot in Europe and it's considered a uterine tonic and they consider it helpful in slowing down bleeding, not as fast or as immediate as the shepherd's purse or witch hazel, but a good herb to use if you are a woman who bleeds heavily anyhow and you're concerned about this moving into menopause, then what is suggested in Europe is that you start allying with ladies' mantle before you get into the place where you might have a flooding episode. And you can drink ladies' mantle tea or ladies' mantle infusion or take ladies' mantle tincture. Yarrow is a fascinating herb. And it does a huge variety of things. We talked about it before as a first aid herb. It has a reputation for stopping bleeding. And I've certainly seen it stop bleeding externally very, very fast. 
I've always been a little cautious about using it internally because I think of it as a diaphoretic, which means you start sweating. I think of it as a diuretic, which means you start peeing. And so it's hard for me to believe that any herb which goes inside my body and says, everybody out, all fluids out, is going to stop eating. <laughs> But many women swear that yarrow really stops uterine hemorrhage for them. And yarrow is, again, really easy to get hold of, really easy to find. If any of this is making you anxious while you're out getting tinctures or making them, be sure to make or buy some motherwort tincture. And when we come back together again, I will tell you more about the uses of motherwort tincture, and we are going to move right into meltdown. What happens when you turn into green goo? There is a phase between caterpillar taking time out and the emergence, and that's where we're headed. Thanks so much for sharing with me. Thank you, Susan. That was fantastic information. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say next. Thank you. Green blessings, everybody. Thank you, Susan, for taking us on a journey through your connection to the earth and her green allies. Our next segment will follow up and continue with meltdown and green goo, getting up on hot flashes and sleepless nights. Be sure to join us next week for what sounds like a very lively discussion.